standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go beyond the bell. To the haunted pro wrestling nostalgia podcast known as Beyond the Bell, powered by the SNS Radio Network. I'm your haunted host, ring announcer Sean Beckerman, back with you to bring you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. We continue on with Halloween month at Beyond the Bell. This week, we look back at the scary stars of professional wrestling. Sports Entertainment's Scariest Wrestlers. Get ready to rewind and relive the superstars that made us go bump in the night. But first, it's that time once again to go behind the mic. Let's go to our ring announcer. Your winner by way of knockout, rounds of boxing, schedule four foot pause, triple threat match. Old school fans, this is where we take you behind the scenes to give you a glimpse, an idea, a perspective of what it is like to be a pro wrestling ring announcer on the independent circuit. This week we go back in time to relive my experience announcing Gangrel to the ring. This superstar seems so fitting to remember on this week's special edition of Scary Stars, the scariest pro wrestlers ever to step foot inside the squared circle. My experience announcing Gangrel was unique in itself. He is a character. Very nice guy behind the scenes. But you get a sense of, this guy is a little freaky. Very nice. Very polite. Gangrel is a unique character and made a big mark in professional wrestling history. Teaming with Christian and Edge to form the brood, Gangrel has made his mark one way or another. Via bloodbath, Gangrel is a superstar you will remember. I had a couple of opportunities to announce Gangrel to the ring. The first one was at a nightclub atmosphere, a very intimate setting, a kind of scene that you would see an ECW show take place at. It was close quarters, very intimate, and the sound was so loud. What I remember from, from this occasion was that when I announced him to the ring, it echoed off the walls because it was such a small facility, and my voice is very loud and broad, to where it basically bounced off the walls, and you actually felt it shake a little bit when Gangrel's music hit, that heavy breathing, his theme that is so monumental, as we discussed previously, and then in coming to the ring w- with the cauldron of blood. I won't give away all of his secrets, but it was interesting seeing him create that cauldron of blood. It was a sight just to see him get ready for the ring, the whole ambience, his outfit, head to toe, he lives the gimmick. Very nice guy. It was an honor to announce him, and courtesy of ringannouncing.com on YouTube, here's my opportunity to announce Gangrel to the ring. 
wrestling fans, when we discuss gimmicks here at Beyond the Bell, we can talk about so many different avenues, so many different versions, so many different characters that fit under a certain gimmick. One of the gimmicks designed to create heat for wrestlers has been to make the fans scared of them. It is very rare that a scary wrestler remains hated by the fans. In some cases, the once feared wrestler becomes cool and eventually the fans get behind him. Unfortunately, there are many more instances of the attempts at scaring the audience being so ridiculous that the fans can only laugh at what they are witnessing. Sometimes the dark, ominous character is more effective than someone that is pushing, or superstar that is pushing, really hard that they're scary and fierce. Sometimes, less is more. Tonight, we go back to remember the gimmicks of professional wrestling that made us so scared. Scary stars, the scariest wrestlers in professional wrestling history. A quick note, fans, this is in no particular order. We're just going back to relive some of the most frightening superstars of all time. So to kick off our list, we have to mention this superstar first. I know we're not doing things in order, but we have to mention this superstar above all the rest. The Undertaker. Since entering the WWE in 1990, The Undertaker has had several scary transformations. He started off as a zombie-like mortician who would stuff his opponents in a body bag. A few years later, he became the head of the cult-like Ministry of Darkness. He sacrificed his enemies on a giant symbol, tried to embalm Steve Austin, and attempted to marry Stephanie McMahon in a bizarre, dark wedding. This mysterious individual has ever-changing supernatural powers. He now has the ability to send his opponents straight to hell. After a 2008 match against Edge, he threw him through the mat, and with the movement of his arms, flames appeared from the hole he sent Edge straight through. This was one of the true triumphs of character creation in the world of professional wrestling. The former WWE superstar Mark Callis was taken by the WWF and turned into a character that has been going strong in the business for over 20 years. Inspired by the stereotype of the gruesome Old West mortician, The Undertaker's character has nevertheless morphed considerably over the years and is much more human these days, especially the past few manias, the battles with Triple H, where we see the Undertaker lose his supernatural capabilities and we see a more humanistic style of the Undertaker. But the character, you cannot deny, is one of the greatest, if not the single greatest, transformed character in professional wrestling history. Oh, Undertaker, I've been sitting all alone in the darkness of my funeral pool, thinking about mass burials. All the mass burials down through history. I wish I could have been there. But there's one, there's one ahead that I will attend. Oh, yes, 29 bodies, 29 souls. And you, Undertaker, can present them to me one by one. And with each one, you'll get closer and closer to your championship. My sole purpose... And this lifeless world is to collect the souls of the unfortunate people that cross me. Coming soon, there will be 29 bodies at my feet, and I'll stand alone at the top. 
And when we talk about The Undertaker, we have to talk about his brother, Kane. Kane is the son of an affair between Paul Bearer and The Undertaker's mother. Kane and his half-brother have been both the greatest of enemies and the best of friends. Like his half-brother, he can be exceptionally ruthless and impervious to pain. He has set several people on fire during his time in the World Wrestling Federation and WWE. He is so scary that he starred in a horror film, See No Evil, and guess what? He didn't even need any makeup. The psychotic half-brother of The Undertaker, The Big Red Machine, is one of WWE's longest-running monster heel characters. Supposedly burned as a child, but later revealed to be simply real ugly, so to speak, he may be one of the scariest stars of all time. Initially, when he debuted, he was scary. He was frightening. The mask alone made you scared. The dark music, the lights going out, the fire pyrotechnics, all combined made him a scary superstar. We also see the comedic side of Kane. So Kane is a diverse individual, with the mask, without the mask, even losing the mask. He even became scarier, in a sense, by seeing his face, bald head and all. Kane has had so many incarnations of himself back to wearing the mask, but he's still just as evil as always. Kane, one of the scariest stars, along with The Undertaker, one of the most diverse characters to ever step foot inside the squared circle. You say you speak for the people. Well, the people are liars! Just like my doctors, just like Stone Cold, just like RBD, just like you, JR. How stupid do you think I am? I know as soon as I walk out of here, you're gonna make fun of me and laugh your ass off at me. I tried to tell you, JR. I tried to warn you. Don't make fun of me. You wanna know why I do the things that I do? The only way that you can know is by experiencing them yourself. You need to feel my pain! Hey, listen to me. Somebody get in there. Put the gas down. Put it down, Kane. Can you have to think about me? Listen to me, Kane, you sick son of a bitch. Back off. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do this. Kane, do it. Put the matches down. Come on, Kane. Don't do it. Put them down, Kane. Papa Shango. Inspired by voodoo mysticism, the Shango character injected an element 
of the supernatural not really seen in wrestling up to that point. Who could forget the time he made the Ultimate Warrior puke, or made black goo pour from mean jean shirt sleeves, or when the goo dripped from the Ultimate Warrior's head. Ironically, Charles Wright would later transform into, of all things, a pimp character called the Godfather. Papa Shango was a voodoo master, and he would come to the ring with a smoking skull. He is most famous for putting a curse on the Ultimate Warrior, and of course we know it caused him to vomit on national television. Charles Wright may have had so many characters and may have transformed into so many different gimmicks, but the Papa Shango character will go down as one of the most famous. It was unique for its time and effective, and he was a scary superstar. He's certainly one of the most bizarre men to ever enter the World Wrestling Federation. Ladies and gentlemen, Papa Shango. Well, this will be uh, interesting to say the least. I agree. You never know what to expect. This guy's made a believer out of a number of individuals in the WWF. They're all waiting for something, something to happen. Well, I can tell you Mean Gene must be shaking in his boots at this moment. Size of this guy. You know, recently, Papa Shango, you put that hex, that spell, that, that, that curse of yours on the ultimate warrior. And we all waited. Papa Shango will reign over the warrior's demise! <laughs> then, the next week, Papa Shango, the ultimate warrior, was victorious over his opponent, seemingly unaffected by your curse, but all of a sudden and inexplicably, the ultimate warrior doubled up with an incapacitating abdominal pain. But there is more to the story. The next week, the ultimate warrior, standing by the way, as close to me as you are right now, proclaimed himself free of your curse when all of a sudden this, this liquid this evil goo began to trickle down his face totally covering his facade and then Papa Shango most recently your dark spell was felt by yet another opponent. I can't imagine for the life of me what this man must have felt when he found himself in the center of the ring with his feet on fire. And that evil goo, that evil goo all over. Papa Shango, I I've got to ask you, what is going on? Ultimate warrior. How does it feel not to be in control? Ultimate Warrior, how does it feel? You have entered the dark world of Papa Shango. You have stepped into my black circle and that circle
is closing on you. <laughs> Thank God that's over. Benji Nogrelin thanking his lucky stars that nothing happened out there. Wait a minute. What is that? Look, it's the curse of Papa Shango. What is going on? I have never seen anything like this before. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake used to come to the ring with his python Damien. After Damien was squashed by Earthquake, Jake went off the deep end. His new snake was a cobra named Lucifer. That snake is most famous for the gnawing on the arm of Randy Savage for several minutes. Remember with that big red X that made it very scary. During that era, he also turned on his friend the Ultimate Warrior by talking him into doing some bizarre stunts to prepare him for a feud with The Undertaker. He made the warrior stay in a coffin, he buried him up to his neck, and enter a room full of snakes. He could chill your blood with just the sound of his voice. He was icy, calculating, and dead serious. And then there was the DDT, a finishing move designed to take your head straight off. Jake Roberts, one of the greatest promo men in professional wrestling, and one of the scariest superstars. I have to ask you about several rumors that claim you plan to bring a snake to the ring. Oh, man. You see, that's how rumors get started. Somebody makes a little noise. We both know that Jack Tunney, as senile as he is, would not let me bring my favorite little pet to the ring. Now, don't we? Well, I know President Jack Tunney would not sanction such a move. I also know he did not approve of your recent actions during your visit to the funeral parlor. He just doesn't know how to have fun. That's all it was, was a little fun in my own way. The biggest man doesn't always win. No, no, he doesn't. The strongest man doesn't always win. No, but the smartest man, the coldest man. Watch this, brother. Ooh, short ride, bad landing. But look at the undertaker here. The trap was set, the trap was sprung, and I got just what I want. Look at him. Helpless. Very helpless. I'm going to take my time. Yeah, I can enjoy the things that I want to in life. And yes, I'm going to enjoy this. Check this out. And I've played this over my mind a million times. And don't think for a moment that I didn't enjoy this. Watch this. Boom! Huh? A little fun for me, none for you. The DDT's where it lays, big man. So what are you going to do when I hook it and get what I want from you? Well, Jake Roberts, it looked as though you hit The Undertaker with everything you had, but he just kept coming. Simple foreplay. When the time comes, I will hook the head and I will drive him through the mat. I will put the final nail in your own coffin. Kevin Sullivan. During the 80s, Kevin was a leader of a cult in the Florida wrestling promotion. The Army of Darkness did not care about titles. They were after the soul of Dusty Rhodes. A decade later, that character was repackaged and retooled as the Taskmaster in WCW. In WCW, he led the group called the Dungeon of Doom. 
and the goal was to kill Hulkamania. Kevin Sullivan, a creepy, eerie individual in itself. Take away the Varsity Club, Kevin Sullivan was truly scary and dark, and his promos made you feel just that. Sullivan! My son! The moon is full over Detroit, Michigan. The stars, Solomon, are lined up, and the great Milky Way is ready for you, my son. It took you. Japan, and Peking, China, it's the start of another day. They say, Solomon, my son, that there will be a total eclipse of the sun today around the world. Because, Solomon, we... Are here, right here now, and tonight you will walk upon the galaxies because your giant and the insurance of the entity you will destroy Hulkamania around the globe. Hogan in Detroit. We brought the insurance policy. It is written from the bones of Anaris. A giant shall lead us for the next century. Hogan, when you put on the black, the evil that lies inside of you is out, out of control. The monster truck, there's nothing you can do about that when it's tinged on. The Dungeon of Doom trucks, it's the strongest of them all. And Hogan, you don't have a friend in the universe. Sting, Luger, and Savage are all vultures clicking at your heels. Tonight, Hulk Hogan, Detroit Lightning does not strike twice in this universe. Abdullah the Butcher. Abdullah was a 400 plus pound monster who was more interested in using his fork on the head of his opponent than trying to pin him. He had the most bizarre physique that allowed him to hide his weapons from the referee. His man boobs were so large they could hide a weapon in the folds of his fat that hung off his sides. I'm not kidding, folks. Every time he entered the ring, fans could expect a gory spectacle. This is your man right here, Abdullah the Butcher. Can you imagine? Everybody wondering about where is the beef. This is all the beef you could handle. Take a look at him. 460 pounds. Now he is going to team up with his highness Sheikh Ayatollah Jerry Blackwell. And can you imagine Blackjack Mulligan and Blackjack Lanza? Can you imagine the Crusher and Van Rushke? Can you imagine the fabulous ones? Can you imagine the high flyers? Can you imagine any tag team in the AWA? What the, this man, they're going to destroy every tag team in the world. And it won't be long before they can become the tag team champion of the world. Abdullah, keep it, keep it, keep it. That's what okay. Just leave him alone. 
He's got his own mood. He likes to do things nobody else will do. But in the name of first wisdom, revenge to the Arab world. And you think he likes to ask Mr. Resnick? I said, is he that's human? He's a human, eh? Abdullah, give it to him. Give it. Give it. Abdullah, I'm going to Never in my life have I seen now, this man right there and his highness would team up as like I told you. Now, Sheik, and I, I, Abdul the Butcher and Jerry Blackwell has got to be, at least in my mind, the biggest tag team combination I have ever With heard of. Without a they are the biggest. Without a doubt, they are the strongest. And without a doubt, they are the most fantastic team ever the Arab people were. You see, Mr. Kerr-Reslick, where the Arab people have our own special way in doing things. They thought well, they got rid of the special way, all right. And I promise you something. They especially to the AWA and especially to this Turkey town, St. Paul and Minneapolis, you're going to pay and I pay think I'm sorry. That's all the time we've got. Man, stay with us. We'll be back. Whoa. Paul Bearer. He started off his WWF career as the manager of The Undertaker. For several years, he hosted The Funeral Parlor. He later admitted to having an affair with The Undertaker's mom and being the father of Kane, as we know. During his years as the manager of both Kane and The Undertaker, he helped both men do some depraved acts. Paul Bearer made everyone around WWE uneasy when he was introduced as the manager of The Undertaker in 1991. He guarded the urn of the phenom, and was so creepy. He set the tone for the character of The Undertaker. We would see Paul Bearer killed off many times and come back, so you can say Paul Bearer is supernatural. Bearer would also branch out from guiding the dead man to bringing Kane into the WWE, as well as managing mankind. His haunting voice and facial expressions made Bearer one of the most chilling personalities in WWE history. One that would surely make anyone say, Oh, yes. Sometimes it gets very crowded around my funeral parlor and I have to bring some of my work home. Oh, yes, I do. Welcome. Welcome to my home. Unlike my funeral parlor, my home is a very, very private place. And this is a special treat just for all of you. 
all my friends watching Coliseum videos. All my home's been in my family for years. Oh, I love my beautiful... Oh, excuse me, I forgot to tidy up. Oh, pardon me. Like I was saying, my home's been in my family for years. It's a place where I can come to to relax. I can sit back, kick my feet up. Oh, don't pay no attention. He won't mind. My home sits right in the middle of a beautiful memorial park. It's a place where I can just relax. Maybe, oh, maybe fix a dream. Oh, at my favorite bar. My favorite drink. Oh, yes, I think I'll fix myself a Bloody Mary. Oh, yes, a Bloody Mary. One of my all-time favorites. But maybe we'll have a Bloody Jane. Or a Bloody Cindy. Or maybe even a Bloody Tom. No, I think I'll just have a Bloody Mary. Oh, yes, Bloody Mary, one of my all-time favorites. What a wonderful way to relax at home. Mm, I knew that this would come in handy one day. Oh, yes. And then there's that special spot on my mantelpiece. Oh, where my sacred urn stays while I'm home. Oh, what a beautiful spot for my favorite urn. And then I'd like to show you my bookcase. Some of my favorite memorabilia. Oh, maybe Liberace tinkling the ivories. Oh, my favorite book. The Death of a Salesman. Oh, my beautiful plant. Sure livens up a home, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, oh yes. My undertaker. Oh, my undertaker. Oh, George. My caretaker, George. What a shame he didn't see that bus coming over the hill. Oh, poor George. Before I forget, there's one more thing that I'd like to show you. When I was a little boy in school, all the other kids were making bookshelves and birdhouses. I made a guillotine. Oh, yes, one of my prized possessions. I got an A on it. You could say I went to the head of the class. Oh, I love that sound. But you know, I've got to get back to work. Oh, yes, this gentleman has a very early appointment in the morning. It was so nice that you could visit my home. Maybe we could do it again one day. You see me at my best. Now, let's take a look at this. George the Animal Steel. Don't be fooled by the lovable brute he became after falling in love with Ms. Elizabeth in the 1980s. During the 60s and 70s, the animal was one of the WWWF's most monstrous villains. Terrifying fans and opponents alike. A bald, woolly, green-tongued beast. No superstar in WWE could chomp a turnbuckle quite like the animal. Although he never held a title, 
WWE Hall of Famer George Steele's career was a storied one. Steele was introduced to the WWE Universe as a wild savage in 1967. Not only living up to his animal moniker, but basically becoming the sole animal himself as he was virtually impossible to control. It didn't take long for Steele to transform from being one of the most terrifying superstars in WWE history to one of the most beloved legends to ever step foot inside the squared circle. Well, this is the Elphus Maximus, better known as the Elephant. I understand this is the Asiatic variety. George, you couldn't help but notice the, the trunk on this one here. That's something else. It's a, the female, by the way. Just to... <coughs> We're looking into the tiger's den. It seems to be very, very dark in there. I can't tell. George, what kind of tiger is that? Detroit. Detroit tiger. He does seem a little sleepy this season. All right, these are very interesting. This is the ring-tailed lemur, George, here at the zoo. Looks to me like they're half monkey and half weasel. Heenan. Heenan, oh, but they're very attractive animals. Good tail. Now, this is one of the stranger animals here at the zoo. This is a... Oh, look at there. The hippopotamus, part of the swine family, George. Bundy. Bundy? Well, it's somewhat the same training program. And I must admit, there is a physical resemblance. But what about the hair, George? The hair. Hair! George, the animal steel, it has been a sensational visit with you here at the Detroit Zoological Park. George, I'm glad to see that you're... Oh, I stepped in something. George, I'm glad to see that, that you're feeling good, and we look forward to seeing you back in the ring. Bye! Goodbye, George! Goodbye! The Great Kabuki a Japanese competitor who made a name for himself in the States as well, particularly in the Texas-based world-class championship wrestling that we cover in the WCCW Milestone series. Known for his nightmarish face paint and spewing green slime in his adversaries' faces, Kabuki was innovative. We see that style from the great Muda, Tajiri in the, in the latter incarnations, but Kabuki was... Unique. He was scary. When I watch old WCCW footage, Kabuki still freaks me out to this very day. Stan Hansen. He is the epitome of loud, intimidating, a barroom brawler. He's that style of wrestler. He shut up his fans in the New York area, which is not easy to do, when he broke WWF champion Bruno Sammartino's neck during a match at Madison Square Garden. Hanson was loud, volatile. We see a lot of him in the Bradshaw character that we would that would debut years later, decades later. Stan Hansen made an impact in professional wrestling. He wasn't your prototypical scary star. He wasn't that mysterious, but he was intimidating, which made him scary, not just to his opponents, but to fans as well. Because you take a look at all these pencil neck geeks out here, and that's just what they are. They're looking at the greatest wrestler in the business today. The meanest, toughest wrestler in all the world. Stan the Lariat Hanson. Tell him, Stan. Tell him. You know, I've been watching all these goofy people out here. And when the TV camera turns around, they think that they're, they're something special. Well, everybody knows right out there that I'm something special. And most of all, Bob Backlund knows I'm special. And let me tell you something, Backlund. You've been running behind the World Wide Wrestling Federation. You've been hiding behind the referees. 
You've been behind behind the promotion because you know, you know that I'm a better man. And I don't care where it is from Timbuktu to, to California or whatever. I'd like a shot at his belt. I demand one. I deserve one. And by all means, it comes to me with respect because I am the biggest, baddest man from Texas ever seen and something Bob Backlund cannot handle. What kind of champion would Stan Hansen make? One that the people can look up to? What type of man is Stan Hansen as a champion? Well, definitely they can look up to me because I'm so much bigger and taller than most of all these squatty little Yankees around here. They'd have to look up to me. They'd have to look up because I'm the biggest, baddest guy. I demand respect. When I walk in the ring, people stand up. They know they see a champion. They don't want a guy walking around in a coat and tie like Bob Beckham. They want somebody down on the ground, Jack. Somebody that's from the trenches. Well, that's where I come from, and I'm proud of it. That's what makes me so tough, because I'm so damn hungry. I want it. I want it. Bob Backlund, you've tasted it. You don't know what it's about. Your, your head's way above. You're aloof. But I'm right down where it's at, brother. All the street people know where I come from. That's why I'm, that's the type of champion I'd be. I'd be right down there with them. All them rednecks out there, they know what type of champion I'd be. Of course, you wouldn't understand that being uh, whatever that is. I think we're supposed to be doing the interviewing, if you don't mind, Mr. Bass. Never mind, never mind. I manage the man, and I can tell him whatever I want to tell him. There's no concern of yours, what he and I have in, the, in strict conference. Would you mind telling us what you're uh, conferring about? Yeah, 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 that's right. I'd like to have Backlund. I'd like to get Backlund any place. Let me tell you something. You like Fred Blassie just whispered in my ear. I'd take Blassie anyway. I'll take Backlund anyway. I mean, I'll take that championship anyway I can get it. Even like Mr. Blassie just whispered in my ear as if it was in a steel cage match. A match where the things around where Backlund can't be running. Where Backlund can't be having a bunch of people come in to help us. We're back on me, uh, and what would happen in this That's right, I'd be grabbing his hand, boy, and I'd be mashing him right. I'd just be squeezing his face right into that thing. I'd grab him up and take him and run him to the post, and he'd be like a big thing of mush. That's what the cage is all about. And this big fat slob over here would be just like Backlund. He'd be down crying for mercy after I meeting his face into the into those big steel bars. And he'd be bleeding all over the place. It looked like a big plum, a rotten plum. And what would be happening to Stan Hansen? Nothing would be happening to me because I'm too damn tough, boy. No steel cage ever bothered me. I just love it. I can see Bob Backlund shaking in his little boots, worrying about it, going into crying to the WWF for some kind of help to get out of it. Oh, if I could just get it, I could just taste it. I can taste it if I had him in a steel cage. Can you imagine what bad Bob Backlund would be doing, Fred? He'd be crying, he'd be kissing his mama goodbye, he'd be kissing his little girl goodbye because he know that he might not be coming back. And that's the type of match I like. That's the type of match that made me the toughest SOB that's walking the streets. That's the type of toughest guy that's at. And I like that type of match. And Bob Backlund, you can't stomach it because you don't have the damn guts, boy. You don't have the guts. I got the guts and the fortitude. If I had you in a steel cage, I'd get you down and squander you in the ground like that. God, I wish I could get you in one too. You look so nasty. Let me tell you something. Keep taking front. I think we've heard just about enough of this. Steel cage, I guarantee you. From one side. Mortis. WCW never quite knew what to do with Chris Canyon. But you have to admit, 
it was a pretty creepy gimmick that initially was bestowed upon Chris Canyon. Mortis. He got settled with feuding with the Mortal Kombat wannabe Glacier. When you look at it from a Booker's perspective, you have a, a Mortal Kombat-looking type of character that underperformed and underproduced with all the publicity and the, the vignettes behind him. Wasn't quite where they thought Glacier would be at that, at that time in WCW, so they found a foe with Mortis, another cartoonish type of character. The two paired off, had a feud, but what do you do after that feud? That's the question. What was scary about Mortis was the look he had. He had that mask, but you could see his jawline, but his jawline looked like it was all hairy and black. It was scary. So when you actually looked at this guy, you were scared to see what was under that mask. Effective. If done properly, it could have been a, a character that had some more legs to it instead of stripping it from his mask and identity. Sid. Call him Psycho Sid. Call him Sid Vicious. Call him Sid Justice. Maybe not for this <laughs> this theme show. It didn't matter. He remained a superhuman. Living, breathing monster. A madman who crushed his opponents with the dreaded powerbomb and nearly exploded every time he gave an interview. I am the master. I am the ruler of the world. The supposed ruler of the world was at his scariest point, you could say, when he was the Psycho Sig character. He didn't know what he was thinking and what he'd do to his opponent and on the microphone. <laughs> See, this Sandy Hogan. As I sit here and I gloat, I ask myself, what are you doing right now? Are you sitting in your hotel room? Sitting at the edge of your bed, bent over, bored to throw up with a fear stuck in your gut because you are feared of me. And you know when mania will be your last event. You've even said that. Now. <laughs> they, got a, they got a tribute to you, Hogan. It's not a tribute. It's a farewell party. <laughs> and I'm the one who's caused it. I am the one who has ended Hulkamania. Why? Because I rule the world. Bull Nakano. In hindsight, this 80s and 90s Japanese women's wrestler looked like something out of a Japanese horror flick. She even spent a little time mixing it up here in the States in the World Wrestling Federation. This is where she made the rest of the lady wrestlers look like sad little girls. A big woman prior to the Karma Awesome Kong days. Ox Baker, the master of the dreaded heart punch. A move as sadistic as it sounds, Ox was massive. He was a demonic looking guy who seemed to truly enjoy the punishment he dished out on his opponents. Best of all, all these decades later, the old guy still has the same horrifying look. I saw him at a convention. He does. Crazy. Bruiser Brody. The man, the myth, the monster. Massive Frank Goodish became a legend around the world, creating a mindless, animalistic persona that froze fans in their very seats. The creepiness factor of Brody is only enhanced by the tragic fact that he was murdered in the locker room by a fellow wrestler jealous of his formidable drawing power. 
a bizarre, enigmatic figure before Jeff Hardy in the history of professional wrestling. Lives are going to be in Whalen Mercy's hands. You may have to hand it to the WWF creative at the time, creating a wrestling gimmick built around Robert De Niro's character, Max Caddy, in the Cape Fear movie. In a way, you could say it was a touch of brilliance, if done properly. Veteran wrestler Dangerous Danny Spivey donned this persona during his mid-90s run with the World Wrestling Federation. His creepy debut vignettes, which we discussed in other editions of Beyond the Bell, made an impression. His music made an impression, but the character did not last very long. I saw Waylon Mercy again. As you can tell, I'm out here at the park, around the picnic area, waiting for all the people to come in. Shortly after a while, they'll be out here with their children, with their fried chicken and potato salads and some hot dogs. Surely some hamburgers to go along with all that stuff. And the kids, they'll be running around here having a good old time. And then after a while, the kids will get on the parents' nerves, and the parents will start yelling and screaming, and then load up everything, put the children in the back daggum seats. And then they'll go home, and then they'll tell all their families and friends what a great time they had at the park and what a great picnic it was. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Waylon Mercy knows how to throw a good picnic. And when I get into the ring in the WWF, <laughs> I want to show you people what a picnic is all about. You know what I mean. Big Van Vader. The Rocky Mountain Behemoth wrecked havoc in Japan in the early 90s, then in WCW, where he once broke a guy's back legitimately, and then finally in the World Wrestling Federation, where his name was shortened to Vader. His early demonic headgear was particularly terrifying, like I mentioned in previous episodes of Beyond the Bell, from his original WCW music, to the headgear he wore in the ring, to the big helmet headgear he wore on his way to the ring. Creepy, with the smoke coming out of it, the horns, the demonic Vader character was scary and was just as scary in the ring. Watch a Cactus Jack Vader matchup and you'll know why. This man right here is right back at the top of the mountain. He is WCW Wrestling two times World Heavyweight Champion. He is going to dominate Totally dominate no the seed no fear for the year of yeah. and beyond. Vader is king of the world because I am Big Van Vader! We mentioned him at the top of our program, Gangrel. Known as the Vampire Warrior early in his career, David Heath was christened with this name. It was inspired by the popular horror role playing game Vampire the Masquerade. He was known to douse his opponents with a bloodbath. From the rafters, from time to time, he rose through fire to enter an arena. The entrance itself was legendary. He had his signature goblet in hand. Gangrel mystified our fans. His opponents were freaked out right from the beginning. Not to mention that any opponent during a match, Gangrel could unleash a horrifying bloodbath. And did we mention he was also a vampire on top of it? 
No, not your cool, true blood vampire. This was really the stereotypical vampire. Vampire. Behind that door, the one very close to your bed. You know the one you're afraid to open at night. The boogeyman lurks. Waiting to prey upon your darkest, deepest fears. And when you're comfortably tucked in your bed, when your head hits the pillow, and you finally fall asleep, your real nightmare begins. I'm the boogeyman. And I'm coming to get ya. The boogeyman is coming to get ya. Tick-tock, tick-tock, lock the windows and doors, hide the children, he's coming to get ya. The Boogeyman is without a doubt one of the spookiest and vilest superstars in WWE history. This worm-eating monster invokes fear in the hearts of all by waiting in the shadows for the precise time to wreak havoc, using his sinister appearance and sickening methods to do so. For most, the day of ghouls and goblins comes only once a year, like we discuss, fans. But in the WWE, when the Boogeyman was lurking, it's always Halloween. That's what made it so special. A decade later, WWE took the Shango concept, the Papa Shango character, and took it to the next level, giving us this worm-eating, walking nightmare. And yes, fans, I witnessed it closely backstage those worms, those worm wranglers, firsthand, they were real. Killer Kowalski, one of the most feared and despised brawlers of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, Walter Kowalski once tore off a man's ear in a match, then visited him in the, in the hospital and laughed in his face. True story, folks. You could say he had a sixth sense of humor. You could say it could have been his sixth sense of humor, I guess, because people that knew him behind backstage, behind the scenes, they say he was a complete teddy bear and a lighthearted guy. But in the ring, his gimmick persona, he was scary. Sherry Martell. Scary Sherry was instrumental in the careers of some of WWE's greatest superstars. From Shawn Michaels to Macho Man Randy Savage, Sherry was always there, screaming and scaring anyone in her path en route to one of the greatest careers in WWE history. A former women's champion, Sherry sadly passed away in 2007. But the Scary Sherry moniker will forever live on, from sensational to sensuous. She can definitely scare the pants out of you. With me now, Sensational Queen Sherry. You mean Victorious Sensational Queen Sherry. Well, yes, but you're not going to gloat about a victory like that. Listen, Mean Jean, when you are so good that you intimidate your opponent to the point where they don't even show up, because they know they'll take a sensational beating. You can gloat all you want to. Well, I suppose, but uh, Queen Sherry, there's something peculiar going on around here as it relates to Sweet Sapphire. It's almost as if she vanished into thin air. There were earlier sightings of Sapphire, but I don't know what's happened to her. I really... Earlier sightings? What is she, a UFO? But you're right. A lot of people did see sapphire earlier this afternoon and i'm beginning to think that maybe she's not so dumb after all what do you mean first of all she was smart enough not to show up and take a beating in her match with me second i heard a few rumors a minute ago 
She may be the smartest person in the WWF. R rumors? What rumors? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is too good to be true! Sensational Queen <laughs> Sherry, I fail to see what's so funny about a missing person. I said she was missing. I didn't say anything about her being a person. Nails. When Nails began appearing in 1992, the WWE Universe, as we now know him, braced itself for the convict-turned-superstar's debut. The imposing Nails made sure he kept audiences in fear when he attacked the big boss man upon his arrival, destroying boss man with his own nightstick and handcuffing him to the ropes. The savage attack by Nails terrified all in attendance, leaving the shock crowd in complete silence. What made him most scary and most fearful were his promos and that raspy, scary voice. Who's the boss now? Boss man, that was the first beating in a long line of beatings. You're in my prison now, but I have thrown away the key, and there's nothing you can do about it, and no one, no one can stop me now. King Kong Bundy. When WWE Hall of Famer Gorilla Monsoon used to refer to someone as an immovable object, no superstar has fit the bill more closely than of King Kong Bundy. Wrestling fans, during his rivalry with Hulk Hogan in 1986, Bundy proved just how scary he could be, injuring the then WWE champion with a barrage of avalanche splashes. Bundy would continue to punish. WWE opponents with his size and agility. This included Little Beaver, the pint-sized grappler who was taken out by Bundy at WrestleMania 3 in the most lopsided encounter ever in WrestleMania history. You could say he's most notable for asking for a five count instead of three when pinning his opponents. Five. Scary, scary man. Hakushi. The mystique of Hakushi is one that still resonates with our fans to this very day. Debuting in 1995, Hakushi entered the WWF with Japanese writings adorned in his body. All over. Very similar to what we see with Tensai to this day. He almost immediately entered he immediately entered a battle with then WWE champion Bret the Hitman Hart. Although unsuccessful with his quest for the gold, Hakushi from the Far East left his mark. Aside from the mystery surrounding the superstar, the scariest part of Hakushi was his in-ring style. When combined with high-flying offense, with martial arts, a sight for our fans they would never forget. Hakushi's tattoos all over his body, even on his face, left a mark on wrestling fans. The Great Muta. Widely regarded as one of the most incredible in-ring competitors of all time, Muta managed to frighten fans in both Japan and the U.S. throughout his career. With his face almost always painted and a brief membership in the NWO, Muda's scariest feature was his misspraying ways, blinding his opponents while mystifying audiences. In-ring ability was bar none one of the best ever to step foot inside the squared circle, and he had that scary persona on top of it. The Missing Link Missing more than a link, this deranged wild man was nothing less than a primitive being far detached from the evolutionary chain. This was a man that... Well, maybe he wasn't a man. He was subhuman. With his face and beard painted a rancid green and blue, 
And, well, he had his patches of hair. The missing link ran wild through the WWE. But it was only to be kept under control, if for just a moment, by WWE Hall of Famer's Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart and Bobby the Brain Heenan. The missing link was also known for his devastating wild man headbutt, which would bring crowds to their feet when he performed it in when he performed it during post matches. This was done into a chair. This is another world class legend. He also went through the NWA as well. The link was a bizarre cross between a caveman and an alien. You never quite knew what he was going to do, but you could be sure it involved inflicting uncalled amounts of pain on his opponents. Zeus. His first introduction to WWE audiences was in 1989, in the feature film No Holds Barred. Enraged by the shadow cast over him by Hulk Hogan, Zeus made his way to seek revenge on the Hulkster. Impervious to the offense of his opponent, Zeus looked to bring down Hulkamania. First in the WWE, and then again in WCW for a brief time. Both of them were unsuccessful, though. Zeus would find more success in Hollywood than in the ring, but he made sure his stay in WWE was unforgettable and frightening. Go back and watch No Holds Barred. Scary. depths of hell, the demonic vampiro left a trail of destruction throughout WCW. Whenever he would step into the ring, it was a sure fact that mayhem would ensue. With his face painted like a corpse, Vampiro took on some of the greatest names in professional wrestling, including Hulk Hogan and Eddie Guerrero, not to mention the Stinger, armed with his ever-vicious vampiro spike. One of the biggest stars in the history of entertainment certainly left a chilling impression on the professional wrestling scene. Gold dust. If there was one man, you could say man to say the least, 
who never failed to make the entire professional wrestling industry and superstars like incredibly uncomfortable, it was Goldust. Every time his eerie theme music blared through an arena, fans knew they were about to see something from the man decked out in gold ring attire and face paint. As bizarre as he was, Goldust's behavior and antics only contributed to his success. Using the power of mind games, deceiving superstars, he was able to rise to the top of the WWF, capturing the Intercontinental title. Kill the brain, and you kill the ghoul. Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Outside of my magical, mystical land, there are evil, dark ghouls that walk astray in the darkness. They call themselves the creatures of the nights, blanketed in purple and black. Their spirits hypnotically walk the earth. They follow the footsteps of their leader, the one Grim Reaper, the Undertaker. You see, gold sheds no darkness. Look at it. Gold only sheds light. The black evil cloud that now hovers over the World Wrestling Federation will soon be sent to the heavens, never to be heard from again. Courtesy of gold dust. Luna Vashon. Luna made her mark as the most unique female to ever enter the professional wrestling scene. Being the daughter of Butcher Vashon, she found her own niche in the eyes of the professional wrestling industry. With her half-shaped head, raspy voice, and killer instincts, Luna devoured any person in her path, whether it's man or woman. Guiding many of WWE's top superstars, Luna will always be remembered for her strange partnership was weird with Goldust, her steel cage match in ECW against Stevie Richards, and her reign as women's champion. Her promos were the scariest of all. is rich with pain and mayhem, violence and evil. In WrestleMania, I walked down that aisle of princess, Lord Goddess, and you, you had to put your nose into my business where it never belonged. I beat you. I beat you to the ground. The pain, the pain, and the anguish. You're mine. Get this stop there, oh no! I hunted you down and found you beaten, beaten at the first aid station. And then you truly witnessed my fury! Monday night on Raw, I tore at your flesh, I tore at your clothes, I tore at your very soul! 
National Series close right on. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sensational one. From this day forth, I will haunt your very breath. I will be your shadow in the darkness. And then soon, very, very soon, I will wipe you from this earth. And I, Lunavashan, I will be the goddess of the squared circle. Bam, bam, Bigelow. Brash, big and bald, Bam Bam Bigelow hit the scene like wildfire, matching his ring attire and the emblazoned tattoo that adorned his skull. He actually had a full tattoo on his skull, folks. He mowed down opponents with his strength. Bam Bam's scariest attribute was his fearlessness. Bigelow is one of the few superstars who made a huge impact in the WWE, WCW, and ECW, all three. He is often remembered for one of ECW's greatest moments when he and Taz shocked everyone by falling through the ring. And of course, for his WrestleMania 11 main event match with NFL Hall of Famer Lawrence Taylor. Scary individual. Royal Rumble. Tag team title match. I miscalculated. I lost the match. And then, did I make a mistake? And boy, did I make a big mistake. I shoved Lawrence Taylor. You know, I realized Lawrence Taylor wasn't there to make fun of me. He was there to have a good time. And that's what the WWF and the new generation is all about. Having a good time. WrestleMania 11, you know, some people say I got beat by a football player. I got beat by one of the greatest football players to ever play the game. And in my opinion, one of the best athletes I've ever met in my life. WrestleMania 11 match. Well, <laughs> it wasn't such a good night for me. You've embarrassed me. You've embarrassed the corporation. I can't believe it, Big A football player. But I know LT, he had he had a great night. He ooh. Monday Night Raw. My match with Big Daddy Cool Diesel, WWF title on the line, I felt great. I really wanted it. But I guess Diesel, he felt a little bit greater. He beat me, fair and square. Hey, wait a minute! Here we go! Diesel as a champion. I respect Diesel as an athlete. And I really respect Diesel as a man. You know, a lot of people are wondering about Bam Bam Bigelow and his future. Well, let me tell you, my future in the WWF is going to burn bigger and burn brighter than it's ever burned before. This is the new generation. This is the World Wrestling Federation. Hey, as far as the Million Dollar Man and the Million Dollar Corporation, tell you what, I'm going to make you a promise. With your support, I'm going to deal with each and every member of the Million Dollar Corporation. Raven, his promos alone could put goosebumps on your arms and chills down your spine. 
that dark character that what about me the selfish character raven was formed by scott levy initially scotty flamingo raven was now this dark ominous character that was under one impression the world was against him his promos were legendary using the edgar Allan poe raven theme he definitely made a scary mark in professional wrestling the condition that we left you in tonight was a result of your own selfishness. Years ago, you and I walked side by side, best friends. But when I needed you the most, you were not there. Now Cactus Jack needs you for a higher purpose. And you're not there for him either. So Cactus Jack and I walk side by side as the true friends you and I should have been. Tommy, I hope you understand that you had to be hurt tonight because my words apparently were not getting through to you and a show of force unfortunately became necessary. But I pity you, Tommy, lying there in a weakened state because I didn't realize just how into your brain these hardcore fans had gotten. You see, I took it for granted that one show of force would be enough that you'd see the way and you'd walk down the path to righteousness. So I don't blame you for the sins that they've committed, for the way they've clouded your mind. But Tommy, nonetheless, you had to be hurt. I don't think the people fully understand what I'm going through here. I don't think the people truly understand what kind of crosses powerful righteous men like us need to carry. You see, Tommy, sometimes when the world and you in particular have got me down, I will tune my television set into WTBS, turn the volume down, and let the basking rays of their good and moral programming rain all over me. And as I lie in a meditative state, awaiting my next move, awaiting my next champion, but as I ride to sleep from my eyes, I realize it was not Tommy Dreamer holding those belts. They were exact replicas. Tommy, how long do you think the higher minds at World Championship Wrestling were going to wait for you? They are the big boys in our sport for a simple reason. When they see something they like, they go after it. And if they can't get it, they'll create their own. But that very thought is the thing that keeps me going. You see, Tommy, it's not all through for you. Because all oh, the magic that those minds can weave. You see, what your mother and father told you about being anything you want in this world. Well, it may not be true most of the time. But in the magical land of WCW, you truly can be anything you want to be. I've seen it all a hundred times, Tommy, the magic they can weave. I've seen a tough Jewish kid from Brooklyn become a black man from Macon. I've seen a farm kid from Nebraska become an overnight rap star sensation. I've seen a kid from New Hampshire become a Frenchman. And one particular wrestler who went through five different incarnations before finding himself the heavyweight champion of the world.
And though he may be that champion in an entirely different federation, I think if you asked him, he would admit that it was the love, compassion, and monetary compensation he received while part of the WCW family that brought him to where he is today. Well, I'm not going to underscore WECW because there are some dramatic changes that go on there as well. Oh, yeah. Take the Rotten Brothers, two naive kids with fake English accents suddenly becoming start for life mutant freaks. Where are they now? They don't even have a job. Take your beloved Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck went from being one of the nicest people I'd ever met to a bumbling fool. You want a challenge in your life, then I challenge you to have a meaningful 10-word conversation with Mikey Whipwreck. It can't be done! He's had too many concussions! His brain has turned to jello. You know, it might be real cute now to root for underdog Mikey on his quest for the championship, but wait five years! When he can't hold a job, 30-year-old Mikey, 40-year-old Mikey, senile old man Mikey, and the ECW fans are causing his demise. And then there's Tommy Dreamer. Maybe the most stunning transformation of them all. A man on the helm of superstardom, a good-looking kid reduced to a bloodthirsty, Woman abusing, bursting on a roller coaster trip straight to hell. Unless I step in and save the day, and Tommy Dreamer, you're making that very difficult. But you better be thankful that Cactus Jack underwent a transformation of his own. It wasn't WCW, it wasn't ECW. It's because one man had the courage, the strength, and the compassion who opened my eyes. And so I'm saying, Tommy, the situation is more serious than you would assume. WCW is a proud organization. They've got a reputation for family values. And they can't afford to have a woman abusing man screwing up their TV syndication. So, Tommy, time is of the essence. And that's why, not because I harbor any hatred for you, but much to the contrary, I love you, man. Can't you see that? And I'm trying to save your spiritual life, but you're making it so damn hard. You want proof of what hardcore wrestling can do? And you ask me, well, Cactus, if you love the place so much, why don't you go back? I can't, Tommy. It's all over for me. I'm trying to save you. Can't you see that once ECW gets a hold of you for too long, you'll become ruined merchandise. You're no longer marketable. They don't want to start freak like Cactus Jack. Too much emotional baggage. And I don't deserve to be forgiven for the insensitive comments I made to Mr. Turner. For the foolish behavior I showed to my dearest Uncle Eric. I deserve to deal in the depths of this hell on earth that you call ECW. So Tommy... They tell us we got a match October 28th. I don't think so. Because I'm counting on your knowledge and just one little bit of common sense to prevail and understand that we're the only friends you've got. It's not those people chanting for your blood. It's these two people 
praying for your soul. Grant me that serenity, Tommy Dreamer. Grant it! When we talk scary, we have to talk about Cactus Jack. In and out of the ring, Cactus' high diving and high risk maneuvers will make him legendary to this very day. Whatever character he plays, but the Cactus Jack character, which was played by Mick Foley, was, you could say, the scariest. We all have witnessed the three faces of Foley. It's been well documented that Mick Foley, no matter what incarnation he's under, is one entertaining superstar. But the two characters of those three faces were, in a sense, scary. We mentioned Cactus Jack. He was scary in that hardcore, violent sense. Then we look at the other character, Mankind. The more demonic, sadistic, dark character of Mick Foley. Both scary, but in different ways. Like we said, Cactus was that hardcore, violent, scary superstar. And Mankind was the more sadistic and cold creepy superstar. The entire character of Mankind was the definition of a scary superstar. The dark brownish color, that scheme that Mankind had, he couldn't use black because he was told that's the Undertaker's colors. Therefore, they picked that dark brown, really scary looking color, the mask. That Silence of the Lamp-esque type mask, which created a very scary look. Not Not to say that Mankind McFoley wasn't scary as Cactus Jack. He did have a scary look to him as well, missing ear and all. But that mask added a new element to the McFoley Mankind character. The pulling of the hair, the screeching noises, it was a scary, scary character. So no matter what way you look at it, no matter what face you're looking at, maybe you throw Dude Love out the window. Maybe Dude Love was scary in a different sense, but Mankind and Cactus Jack, those two faces of Foley were surely one of the scariest superstars of all time. We didn't mention many managers on this list, but the Sinister Minister, James Mitchell, James Vandenberg, however you know him, he made a mark in this industry, even though he didn't get the mainstream publicity in the World Wrestling Federation or WWE. The Sinister Minister made a mark in ECW and WCW. What you can most... What he is most notable for is his evil, devilish look. The long nails, the long hair, the curled hair on the eyebrows. That devilish look that made him so unique. Therefore, you have to throw him with scary superstars. With Mikey Whipwreck, Tajiri, that scary clan. And then they brought him on into TNA to team with another scary superstar, Abyss. Who is a hybrid of Kane and Mankind together. Scary combination. But the Sinister Minister will go down as one of the greatest scary, frightful talkers in this industry. For today's sermon, we're going to discuss ECW's seven deadly sins. At the top of the list, we have Greed and the insane luchador Super Crazy, a man so selfish he dared to defy the network in his quest for the world television title. Next, we have Vanity, which brings to mind the Impact Player's Executive Jezebel, Dawn Marie. But if ever Vanity were justified. (laughs) Number three is Gluttony. Let's just say Big Sally Graziano gives new meaning to the phrase 
devouring the competition. <laughs> Number four is sloth. And that poor lost soul, Raven, who's taking this whole slacker business just a tad too seriously. Hey, Scotty, it's a gimmick. <laughs> Next, we have Wrath. Been there, done that. Please, let's move on. Envy. The American dream, Dusty Rhodes, is so jealous of the old school hero Steve Carino's youthfulness that it makes me want to vomit. And finally, we come to my favorite sin of all, lust. Francine wants my raven in the worst kind of way. After all, he's no dreamer. <laughs> Let's just say that it's going to be one hell of a show. And any company that dares to compete with an ECW pay-per-view is going to be living dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> and let's wrap it all up, fans, with Andre the Giant. Andre was the most intimidating physical force ever to step foot inside the squared circle. Undefeated for nearly a decade and a half, Andre dismantled and crushed everyone he faced. The eighth wonder of the world. His most famous match came at WrestleMania 3, when he unsuccessfully challenged Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship. Regardless of the loss, Andre remains the most incredible and threatening figure in wrestling history. This garnered him the honor of being the first ever inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame. He was the epitome of a scary superstar. Right now, we're going to go back again to Mr. Baseball, Bob Uecker, still in his quest to find Vanna White. Hi again, everybody. You know, this this thing is really getting kind of serious now. I haven't been able to locate Vanna White, and I, I was supposed to... Uh, hi, Andre. Go hey, my good buddy. Vanna, you get me. You get the giant, the only professional wrestler who's still undefeated. And all Hogan, I'm proud to be it, because now Ted DiBiase is on his way up. That's why you paid me for, to keep you out of the tournament, Hogan. And you are. And I know one thing, and that's why the people go to know too, and that's why they go to remember, you are the ex-champion, Hogan. <laughs> well, there you, there you have it. I still haven't found He is the ex-champion. Don't worry about Vanna White. Now, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Kamenia, it's over. <laughs> hey, hey, how about getting your, how about getting your foot off my shoulder? Hey! Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Barbershop Window, the brand new official sponsor of Beyond the Bell. They love wrestling and they love t-shirts, so they combine the two in order to fulfill their goal to create shirts that wrestling fans enjoy and will want to own and wouldn't be embarrassed to wear to a bar. 
New shirts are released every week, and all past shirts can be found in the Overstock bin. So go to barbershopwindow.com, where they make wearing wrestling shirts cool again. Squared Circle Media, Jerome Willen, provides audio and written content based on the latest in professional wrestling. Associated with Wrestling.com, Ringside Digest, and the Camel Clutch blog, Squared Circle Media is for the true wrestling fan. You can reach them at squaredcirclemedia.net. Ringannouncing.com, the official website for the future of ring announcing and beyond the bell host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. This is the place where you'll find all the latest news and multimedia related to host, broadcaster, and podcaster, Sean Beckerman. So go to ringannouncing.com now and follow the future of ring announcing. Stitcher Radio is an on-demand internet radio service that focuses on news and information radio and podcasts. It's available on all smartphones via the iTunes App Store and the Android Market. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy offers everything you need to make a name for yourself on the web. From domain names and website builders to complete e-commerce solutions. With more than 10.4 million customers and over 53 million domain names, GoDaddy is the leader in web development. SNSRadioNetwork.com is the home for all things related to professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, and video gaming. Catch the latest news on all three topics, including the Benchmark Show, Wrestling News Live, Sunday Night Showdown, the Pro Wrestling Rewind, the Elite Force Podcast, Why, and of course, Beyond the Bell with host Sean Beckerman. SNSRadioNetwork.com. If you're not listening, you're not trying. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Beyond the Bell, email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com with the header advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time. Ghosts and Goblins, that wraps up another haunted edition of Beyond the Bell. The scary stars, the scariest professional wrestlers of all time is in the books. Connect socially to be on the bell on our Facebook fan page. Follow me on Twitter at Sean Beckerman. Watch and listen to retro wrestling clips and ring announcing footage of me on the independent circuit on YouTube under the username ring announcing. Access the Beyond the Bell archives on snsradionetwork.com and my official website, ringannouncing.com. Have all the latest episodes of Beyond the Bell automatically downloaded on your smartphone via iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Let's go for the three count and wrap it all up with some old school music. Of course, we're talking about scary stars. We have to end it off once again with The Undertaker. Our last edition, we played the Graveyard Symphony, the theme that carried The Undertaker through the years. A theme that was absolutely monumental in The Undertaker's career was when he was a part of the Ministry of Darkness. That was a scary version of The Undertaker, the demonic version of The Undertaker. So we'll wrap things up and go for the three count and take it home with the Ministry of Darkness theme for The Undertaker. Wrestling fans, that will wrap things up for another edition of the old school nostalgia podcast known as Beyond the Bell. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, ghosts and goblins, I'll see you at the matches. Oh, no, no.